This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. We are what we eat. At least that's what we're told by nutritionists and fitness enthusiasts who'd rather we didn't pop that last piece of candy into our mouths. There are vegetarians who swear off meat, while vegans refuse to eat all animals and all animal products. There are also pescatarians who eat only vegetables and seafood. It seems that for every type of food out there, there's a special diet to go with it. However, one other group of diet style exists. They don't eat meat or vegetables or fish. In fact, their diet is pretty light. These special dieters practice something called inedia. Inedia is the belief that the human body can survive on air, and in some cases, sunlight alone. In Sanskrit, the essence being consumed is called prana, or life force, but many other countries and religions have their own words for it. Inedia has been studied and documented for centuries. The Catholics called it anorexia mirabilis, or holy anorexia. Unlike the more common form of the disorder we know today, anorexia mirabilis was fueled by blind devotion to one's faith, rather than a desire to be thin. Jain monks in India have been known to fast for six months or more, with one monk going as long as 500 days without food. Back in the late 1600s, Rosicrucians sought spiritual enlightenment from a secret esoteric order possessing ancient knowledge. Among their topics of study were the teachings of an alchemist named Paracelsus, who claimed to have lived for several years on nothing more than a little bit of sunlight. Among the surprising number of Inedians out there, a Buddhist monk living in Nepal was able to survive for more than four days on air alone. Not a particularly impressive feat when compared to the Jain monks, until you realize he did it while sitting in one spot without moving a muscle. Mahatma Gandhi famously fasted as a method of political protest. He called it the truest prayer. Of course, such a diet isn't for the faint of heart, literally. Several practitioners of such extreme fasting have died of starvation and dehydration over the years. But it was in 1980 when an American named Willie Brooks took the Inedia movement to a whole new level. He burst onto the scene on the television show That's Incredible. Brooks was the founder of the Breatharian Institute of America. Breatharians, as he explained, were people who could live without eating physical food. At the time of his television debut, Brooks claimed that he hadn't eaten so much as a peanut in over 15 years. His group started out with several hundred followers who wanted to learn how to sustain themselves on only air and sunshine. And Brooks was only too happy to help. For a price, of course. He charged people $10 to attend his lectures, while all-day seminars earned him 100 bucks a head. 
Those who really wanted to change their lives had to drop $500 to attend an intensive retreat. And during these seminars, Brooks taught people that the body was able to pull all the nutrients it needed to survive right out of the air. He explained how, when he was in his late 20s, he was losing his hair and feeling older by the day. It wasn't until he started fasting when his body started to bounce back. His hair grew back. He felt better. To those who followed him, Brooks walked the walk as much as he talked the talk. He eventually compounded his fasting regimen with a special form of meditation, which he claimed fed the body as much as the soul. Things seemed to be going well for the spiritual leader until his followers finally saw the truth. In 1983, a news report came out that Willie Brooks hadn't been completely honest about his diet. It seems his human body needed a little more than air to survive. Brooks had been spotted coming out of a 7-Eleven, a Slurpee in one hand and a hot dog and Twinkies in the other. With plenty of room, one would assume, for a slice of humble pie. This episode is sponsored by Intuit. Here's a story for you. Once upon a time, a young woman was haunted by the ghosts of bad financial decisions, with credit card debt and an empty savings account looming over her every day. But when she tried to ignore these ghosts, they only grew bigger and scarier. And these ghosts of her bad financial decisions were stopping her from living her best life. So she decided to face them head on and take control of her finances with help from Intuit. Intuit helps you face your financial fears with confidence through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot iHeart. Parents don't always understand the things that young people are into. Their music is too loud, their clothes are too baggy, or their hair is too long. 
They just don't get that young people need to express themselves, to unwind when things get tough. King James I of Scotland didn't understand either. Of course, they didn't have rock and roll back then. Rather, James had a problem with certain distractions, which is why he passed an act in 1424. The Football Act. That's right. King James I banned football. He passed his distaste of the sport onto his son James II, who became king in 1437. He believed a weak and unprepared army would spell doom for the safety of his kingdom. That was why he made sure that all young men, 12 years or older, were automatically drafted into the military. They were to hone their fighting skills whenever they weren't sleeping, eating, or actively in battle. However, instead of practicing their sword play or archery, the men often snuck off to play sports. Their favorites, and the ones that invited the ire of a king the most, were football and golf. Soldiers found an excuse to play, and they would play anywhere they could, including churchyards, in the middle of the road, or in open fields. James couldn't stand it. He believed their sole focus should have been on preparing for war with England. When his soldiers wouldn't listen to his demands, James did something to make them obey. He put it down on paper, just like his father had done years earlier. According to James II's Act of Parliament, football and golf would be, and I quote, utterly condemned and stopped. In other words, he banned them, but he didn't stop there. He also outlawed what he referred to as pointless sports. Those who refused to comply were fined 40 shillings if caught. Rather than waste their time throwing a ball, soldiers were instructed to spend their days shooting arrows at targets. Four times a year, they would be expected to perform in an archery display, most likely to demonstrate their accuracy. The sports ban lasted for some time, but the men couldn't stay away forever. They needed to find ways to unwind and squeezed in games where they could. After James III assumed the throne in 1460, he also noticed the distractions that had plagued his father's soldiers, and he renewed the ban on golf and football in 1470. The prohibition continued until 1491, when James III's son, James IV, also renewed the ban on the two sports. Apparently, the men in the royal family just didn't want their armies focusing on anything but combat, even though James IV was a fan of both golf and football. According to records from the time, he owned several footballs and golf clubs, which had been made for him in the city of Perth around 1502. Still, people found a way to play, both inside and outside the military. The servants and apprentices who worked under metal workers in Perth were prohibited from playing football, as were Scottish citizens living in Peebles. If someone was caught playing, they were required to pay a fine of eight shillings. Holy men were also not exempt from the law. In 1585, a minister, aptly named Archibald James Law, was censured because he had dared to play a game of football on a Sunday, no less. And the more people played, the worse the violence got. The particularly rough games ended with fighting and, in one case, people nearly killing each other with guns. Golf, on the other hand, never ended with players getting shot, but it was still a nuisance. Both the church and parliament believed anyone playing golf would have been better served either at their job or in a pew. Sunday was a day for church, not chip shots. As time passed and military technology evolved from arrows to bullets, the rules were slowly relaxed. Soldiers were no longer fined or scolded for the occasional ball game. However, the government would have been well within its rights to prosecute anyone caught playing golf or football up until the 20th century. The ban was kept in place until 1906, when it was, if you'll pardon the pun, sidelined for good. 
I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.